0: Her name was Ariana. Story I've heard read. She was being raised as many children are being raised by a single parent, single mom who was trying to do her best for her daughter. Ariana was about five years old when Frank walked into their life. And he began to do things around, kind of take care of them. She was five years old. She didn't know what was going on. But sure enough, they were Frank and her mom were dating. Seven years later, Ariana's now twelve, and mom and Frank decided to get married. Well, now she's twelve years old. Mom decided that mom, that is going to be a bridesmaid. So this is the way the story goes. As made her way down to the platform where the preacher, the best man, and where Frank were standing, she stopped the proceedings. And she looked at him and she said, I've been waiting seven years for this. And she made a proposal. She said, will you be my daddy? she never had a daddy. Everybody needs a daddy. Everybody needs a mom and dad. That's God's design. For all the joking we, that we do, men and women bring different things to the table that we call a family, and children need what both of them offer. That's, that's God's design. And it's very fundamental way I'm going to go on further to say that our culture is suffering from good and God from the lack of good and godly men. We may not see it on the creek but our country's falling apart. our culture is falling apart. Make no mistake we need men who are good because they're godly. And we need men who, because they are godly, they are good. Uh, Thirty years ago, Bill Gaither wrote a song that's still one of my favorites. And I'm going to give you a little slice of that today. Tate, if you want to go ahead and dim the lights, I'm going to give you a little slice of that, but I'm going to give it to you generationally. I want you to hear how it was sung at one of the awards shows, Many years ago, and then we'll finish with a more modern version. thing that I would argue Bill Gaither is certainly a lot better songwriter than I've ever thought about being I would have probably started the song off a little different. What this dying world needs is a willing man of God who dares to go against the crane and works without applause a man who gives his all in peace or in strife a man who sold his soul to our Lord Jesus Christ you see folks We are at Father's Day. We're in a country that is decaying because of the lack of a real male influence in our society. On this Father's Day, I call us, men, you and me, to rise above the good to the godly. You can be good and not be godly. But you can't be godly without being good. You see, we are called today. Today we're going to look at 1 Kings chapter 2, if you'll turn there with me. 1 Kings chapter 2. Man, I want us to use our godly influence to change our culture and our generation. And some of you will go, we're just down on the creek, we can't change all of that. If we take care of our little world, our little world will impact the whole thing if we do that. Today, my attention is drawn to a father known as David, King David. <clears throat> Think about I got to thinking about this in my study, Tim. David is the father of Solomon, who turned out to be the wisest man in the world. Talk about pressure. I mean, I had enough pressure with my two. Instead of fathering somebody like Solomon, or if I were Joseph, fathering somebody like like jesus being seen as his earthly father can you imagine the pressure that they felt i mean back to my two i felt pressure and i always felt like i didn't measure up when they were kids and i still don't know that i measure up today as we read our text men david is trying to exert a godly fatherly influence on his son now in case somebody goes, what a horrible person to pick. Listen, David wasn't perfect. But neither are you. Neither am I. On this Father's Day, how many of us fathers would like said of us what it was said of David? First Samuel 13, he is depicted as a man after God's own heart. I don't know about you, but how much I would love that to be said about me. Only four verses, if you will, if you can. Let's stand to honor the reading of God's holy word and hear how David challenges us just to this simple story today. As the time approached for David to die, he ordered his son Solomon. As for me, David said... I am going the way of all the earth. Be strong and be a man and keep your obligations to the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to keep his statutes, commands, ordinances and decrees. This is written in the law of Moses so that you will have success in everything you do and wherever you turn. And so that the Lord will fulfill his promise that he made to me. And here's the promise. If your sons guard their way to walk faithfully before me with all their hearts and all their soul, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, You have been so good and gracious to us that oftentimes we take for granted this life. One and all, we, we tend to think that we're in control when we know deep down that You are. I pray that today that you will speak to the men here who are fathers or even are fathers-to-be. And I pray that the message of this hour will so burn deeply in their hearts that they will desire your favor and your promise on their life throughout their life. And I pray for our ladies here that as we share in your word, I pray that some of those things, principles that you want to impart to us, I pray that you will speak into the feminine heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, some people read that first line and thought, why in the world would would brother jerry pick a text like that on father's day and here's why because whether it's father's day mother's day grandparents day or groundhog day god's truth is still the same and we need it we need to hear his truth all i want to do today is march down what i see in this text, just kind of a story encapsulated of David's life and how it relates to the fathers, particularly in this day and everyone else as we absorb what God wants to say. I began with what I'm going to call the reality for a father, the reality for a father. And you find that in verse one, it says, is the time approached for David to die? David had lived, he had lived a long life, he would lived a good life. You go back to chapter 1 of 1 Kings, verse 1, it says David was old and advanced in years. I mean, he was in the final days of his life. He'd called in, <laughs> Stephanie just left, I'm going to say this because I know that she probably got a call. They had called in home health. They had called in hospice. They had put him in palliative care. His days were numbered. He was about to go the way of the world. He was about to leave this life. On Father's Day, people don't want to hear this. But here's what I want to tell you is that whether you want to hear it or not, it is your reality. Four years ago today, we spent my last, my last Father's Day with my dad. Didn't realize it at the time. Yesterday. We said goodbye to one of the most stellar dads among our congregation, Mr. Howard. Day after tomorrow, in Albany, Georgia, they're burying one of my dear friends, Brother Michael Cat, Stellar dad. Years ago, I'm going to tell you how I know that people don't want to hear this on Father's Day. Years ago, Eric, when I was at another church, it was Mother's Day. And the worship team and I was playing the keyboard for them. And, and they said, well, let's do something everybody's going to like. And I said, okay, so we talked a little bit. How many of you remember, Will the Circle Be Unbroken? Okay, that's all the old people. But if you, think about the, if you think about that song, it does talk about mama coming by in a hearse. But it talked about not just the circle of the family here on earth. It talked about the circle of the family in heaven one day. We sang that song on Mother's Day trying to be an encouragement that family lasts forever. And you would have thought our young people have been knifed in the heart. How dare you sing a song like that on Mother's Day. But here's what I want to say to you folks. My family knows this. I will not be around forever. Forever. And it does them no good. It does not serve them well for me to act, lead, and teach like I'm going to be here forever. You see, the truth is, is that too many of us live this life and leave this life, having done our best to acclimate our family to the things of this world, to the temporal things, if you will. To our responsibility here on earth. But folks, men, we are responsible to lead our families beyond this life. We are, to, we are responsible to lead our families into eternity. And that should be into eternal life. Not into eternal haphazardness. And to do that, I suggest two things that we need to do, men. Number one. You need to make sure your relationship with God is through Jesus and that your family can see it. How many times have I stood like I stood over Mr. Howard yesterday? Fortunately, this was not one of those times. But how many times have I stood over a body to try to encourage the family? And because of the life of dad, they were left guessing where he went. Now, every family that guesses, guesses that he went to heaven. That's our emotional thing. Dads, let's not live our lives so people have to guess. Live our lives away in such a way that our children know who our Lord is, who our God is. And the second thing is, live our lives in such a way that our children come to know Jesus. That they have faith in Jesus. The Synoptic Gospels, all three of them record Jesus as asking this question. What does it benefit someone if He gains the whole world and forfeits His own soul? What if you men, you ladies, discover Jesus and your children never do? We tend to teach our children how to be the best hunters and the fishermen and the ball players and the musicians and, and everything else. But what if we teach them all those things that go away when earth goes away and we don't teach them about Jesus and eternity? The, the reality is we have only a few days and you go, well no, brother Jerry, we got 70, 80, 90 years. Let me tell you something. I'm one year short of 70. And I feel like the days have flown by. How I wish I could go back and have a redo. Ben, I love the mulligans in God, but boy, wouldn't I love a mulligan in life. You see, the reality is David knew it. He was about to go the way of the world. He was about to die. He was about to pass off the scene. And so the second thing I will tell you when he was facing this situation, that's his reality. But then I want you to see the resolve that he had. The resolve. It says, my translation says, that he ordered Solomon. He ordered Solomon. That word means told, it means instructed, it means charged, commanded, called, commissioned. Perhaps when you read the text, it means that he was trying to get Solomon there to get Solomon's life in order. The word literally means to lay upon. That's what that word um, ordered mean. whatever it reads in your translation. David laid upon Solomon the counsel that would prepare Solomon for life ahead. Watch. A life that did not include dad. He wanted to have him ready. He put responsibility on his son. Many of you remember the name Abigail Van Buren. If you don't, it's Dear Abby in the paper. She wrote this one time. If you want your children to keep their feet on the ground, put some responsibility on their shoulders. Booker T. Washington said, Few things help an individual more than to place responsibility on them and to let them know that you trust them. Responsibility is not a curse. It is actually a blessing. Knowing David, knowing that the world would not stop when he was gone and that he was about to leave, he put some responsibility. He had this conversation with Solomon to convey the importance of his calling and the weight of what would be on his shoulders when dad was gone. David resolved not to pass off the scene, leaving his son guessing without... Given a godly effort at preparing his son for what was ahead. He said, buddy, I'm leaving. So there's some things that I want you to know. To every dad in this room, including the one standing behind the pulpit, here's the, here's the permeating question for the morning. What are we communicating to our children as the most important thing in life? Are we communicating the eternal? Are we communicating the temporal? Often we give, we tend to give our leadership to those things that are temporal and and are worldly. And then when it comes to spiritual and eternal and Jesus and God, we tend to, oh, they can work that out for themselves. What are you communicating today? Well, Jerry, that's really personal. Well, yes, it is. But there's nothing going to be any more personal than one of my children winding up and not eternal life, but eternal death because I try to teach them how to play ball instead of how to get to heaven. Now, if you're sitting here and kind of bristling at this, you have three choices. You can get mad at the messenger. You can ignore the message. Or you can heed the message. And hear the message God has for us today. The world needs men. The world needs dads who have resolved in their heart to instruct, to charge, to commission their young ones in the ways of the Lord. Do you have that resolve today? David did. He knew the reality was life was short. And he resolved not to pass off the scene without passing the mantle. Then the third thing that I see in his life that I'm just going to call, I'm going to call this the role of the father. The role of the father. Man, we need some role models today. Thank you. I thought that had been a good place for an amen. Roles are so confused today. It's not just the gender confusion that the culture puts on us. And by the way, so if I got a guest here and you think, well, they're into that stuff. Let me tell you, God assigned gender. We don't get to assign our own, and there's only two genders. He created them male, He created them female, and everything else is created by man. I'm going God's way. The role. Here's the message that me and you ought to like this. David gets to talking with Solomon and he uses some real masculine. He says, I want you to be strong and I want you to be a... Thank you. I want you to be strong and I want you to be a... Man. Now what in the world did he mean? He said... He said, show yourself to be a man. Show thyself to be a man. Man, what a charge. Man, David said, when I die, be strong. Be strong and prove yourself to be a man. What does being a man mean? Well, multiple times in the Bible we read this. Be strong and courageous. That would be the same encouragement. Find that in Deuteron- Deuteronomy, Joshua. Samuel and Chronicles. The message, the transliteration of Gene Peterson says, show them what you're made of. The New King James says, prove yourself to be a man. Boy, when you tell a boy or a man to prove it, you better clear out of place. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? This means yes. This means no. I understand you're not moving much because it's getting a little warm. Okay, I got you. When... When I see this term here, be a man, be strong and be a man, I went and looked in the Hebrew. And you know what the Hebrew language for that word is, Eric? Ah, yeah. In fact, it reminds me of Tim the Two-Man Taylor. How many of y'all remember Tim the Two-Man? Ah, yeah. That was the man. Ooh, mm, mm. It's kind of like a grunt, if you will. You see, David is calling Solomon... Like every godly man calls his son to be a man. You want your sons to be a man, but here's the problem. Let me just present you with the problem. We have a real problem here. What is a man? Have you ever tried to define what a man is? Particularly in this day, we already mentioned that the genders are are like they are. We don't really have a right to redefine what God has already defined. 20 years ago, in a book entitled Wild at Heart, John Eldredge says every man in his heart is this. He has a battle to fight. He has an adventure to live and a beauty to win. That's what he said 20 years ago. Even the... Even the culture got next to him because now if you read his updated book, of Wild at Heart. It's a battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to love. When he said a beauty to win, you, those who remember the stories, that's what all the knights did. They went to win the heart of this woman that they loved. Did you think about Bob Lewis, men's fraternity? He defined a man. I'm not even going to put it on the screen, but I want you to hear it. Nobody's ever defined what a man really is. He puts it this way. He said, a man rejects passivity. A man accepts responsibility. A man leads courageously and expects a greater reward, God's reward. A real man is one that has set aside the agenda of the world And has taken up the agenda that God has given him. He realizes that he's going to lead. He has to lead in a spiritual way. He realizes what he is not and what God is. A man is neither a bully nor a dictator. A real man is someone that has the heart of Jesus. (laughs) Maybe he's got a heart of a child and a hide of a rhinoceros. Because he stands in the gap. A real godly man knows where his strength comes from. He's aware of his personal responsibility. And he possesses the resolve to lead his boy to the role of being a godly man. Being a real man, in my estimation, only happens in a relationship With Christ Jesus. Brother Jerry, I'll argue that. Well, you can argue whatever you want to. Just remember, real man's not a bully. Anybody can bully anybody else. A real man's not particularly arrogant. That didn't take anything. Normally, that's lack of self-confidence. A real man is someone who is solidly aware of himself. Who he is. Who God is. What God put him for. for. And he tries to lead to honor God. And I'm just going to say this as I pass. Make no mistake, there's a difference in a good old boy and a godly man. You see, we're back to that, that we need men who are good because they're godly. And we need men who are godly because they're godly, they're good. That's what the world's crying for. This is, we may have some single men here today. Single men. That's what our young ladies are looking for. Somebody who won't use and abuse. But somebody who will love them like Jesus loved them. One last thing and we're done. And that's the revelation by a father. Not only did he tell... Solomon, you know, I want you to be a man. But then he told him how to do it. <laughs> Isn't that good? Then he told him how to do it. And, and what did he say? He said, I want you to think about these deathbed instructions. You can read them right there. He said, I want you to keep your obligations to the Lord. Be strong, be a man. Keep your obligations to the Lord. Walk in His ways. Keep His statutes. Keep His commands. Keep His ordinances. Keep His degrees. In other words if you want to find God's favor in your life, if you want to find success for life, if you want to help the people that you are responsible for, obey God. (laughs) That doesn't win a popularity contest. But when you see the story, it seems that Solomon both heard and heeded dad's words. Because when... As you follow over another chapter later, at David's died, God comes to Solomon, he goes, "Man, I give you one wish." Well, that's not quite how he said it, but it's the same thing. What would you wish for if you got one wish?" Solomon said, "I want to have wisdom." I want to have wisdom so that I can, so the people that are under my charge can have confidence that I'm giving them good counsel. And God said, ah, I'm amazed. Because I'm amazed, I'm gonna give you a double portion of what you asked for. And that's why today Solomon is known as the wisest man to ever live. It's because of what God did in him and through him. Oh, by the way. God threw in riches at the same time. But don't miss this. Solomon started out because he listened to his dad. He asked the right thing, and he became rich beyond measure. And some of you go, well, I won't follow God if he's going to make me rich, but you need to hear this. He did become rich. He wasn't the smartest dude. He may have been wise, but he wasn't smart. I heard somebody say it in a room the other day had a thousand wives and concubines. Okay, men. Don't laugh, but can you imagine a thousand mother-in-laws? I had a great mother-in-law just so nobody peeks on me or Deborah, okay? But because of all things that he did on his own, when he wrote Ecclesiastes... He had now departed from God. He had now kind of gone his own way. I mean, he was pretty arrogant because look at all that he had. All the stuff he had. Doesn't speak to us about our arrogance. And he said, I have tried everything under the sun. I've withheld nothing from myself. And I literally find myself... Chasing the wind and reaping the whirlwind. In a day that seems to be highlighted by those men that Bodie Balcom calls Ballfield, Billfold, and Bedroom Dads, God calls us to a higher plane a higher level and I want to give you three thoughts men ladies this works for all of us first of all is the word remember remember God's design for you remember one and all in this room you are made designed in the image of God to have a relationship with him your fulfillment in life will not come by being the, the best jock or the best fisherman, or the best hunter. What will, what will set you apart is when you give your life to Him. Remember Him. Remember that your sin, it has separated you from Him. It will separate you from Him. It does separate you from Him. And the only road to reconnect Him with God the Father is through His Son Jesus. He sent Jesus to make a way for sinful man to get back to him. Do you have do you have more connection with your sin than you do the Savior? Do you spend more time on that side of the fence than the other? He's calling us today, on this Father's Day, because He wants us remember. If you find that you're kind of stepped back into your sin, then repent. Repent literally means that you turn. Repent is the message that John the Baptist began with. Repent is the message that Jesus began with. Repent is the message that Peter at Pentecost began with repent, turn from your sin and please, please be clear there is no way for you to say that I am following God because you have to face God to follow Him you cannot face God to follow Him and face your sin at the same time one of them's at your back and when you find out where you are you've, you remember boy He loves me He loves me. The pain. He loves me. Oh, I have a little bit of fun. But He loves me. When you realize that, you remember, you repent. And then it's, as Jesus said to the church at Ephesus, then you return to Him. That's God's design for us. Watch this. Right now, there may be someone that the Holy Spirit's working in your heart. Because the Holy Spirit draws you to Him. He draws you to Him because Jesus died for you. And the Father, just like the Father in Luke 15, stands at the end of the road, hoping to see you walking down that road returning. Ask yourself today, am I the man, the husband, The dad. Okay. The mom. The wife. The daughter. Am I the person that honors God in my life? Am I using my influence to lead my family and my friends to an eternity that is, in fact, eternal life? If not, why not change that today? Let's pray together.